do you have that one piece of clothing you keep going back to no matter how full your closet is? Having a versatile, high-quality favorite feels great, but having a whole closet full of them feels even better. American Giant puts the quality, durability, and comfort they're famous for into everything you need for your spring days. From premium t-shirts and jeans to lightweight French terry joggers and their legendary best hoodie ever. Whether you're dressing for work, the gym, or happy hour, you're sure to find your next closet go-to from American Giant. And it's all made in America and designed to last a lifetime. Get 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com with code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's American-Giant.com, code S-T-A-P-L-E-2-0. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome aboard the National Football Show with your boy Dan Cilio. A lot of news today, huh? And you just thought OTAs didn't matter. Well, it doesn't matter to veteran players. But it matters to the media, right? Because you know what drive-by media is all about today, right? Oh, my God! Aaron Rodgers didn't show up! The apocalypse is happening in Green Bay. Right? It's like, oh, my God, the world is ending. Can you not believe the guy didn't show up to OTAs? You know, the days where you get to have a helmet and shorts on. Man, that matters. And I build a team. This is all about team camaraderie. Uh, I, I can't even do it because I don't care. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't really care. But the media cares. Rodgers is just a surly dude. Really, like Donovan McNabb? <laughs> oh, no, that guy wasn't surly, right? Right? Hey, have a drink. It's all good. I, I move on. Oh, hey. Big Seals knows them all, man. <laughs> I got all the dirt on all you guys. I got files down here on every player in the league that has ever played in the National Football League. And we're sitting around trying to build a file on Aaron Rodgers here. All right, let's let's dive into the sandbox here. Other news of the day, and that is, of course, that Aaron Rodgers didn't show up to organize team activities in Green Bay today. And he will most likely, how about this, have that number out whether or not the Green Bay Packers want to find him $93,000. Would you find him if you're Green Bay? Tell you what. If you find him, you got a war on your hands. Next six weeks won't be good. Next six weeks, we'll be ping-ponging back and forth. Who's the bigger turd, the Packer organization or Rodgers? Rodgers doesn't lose here. He doesn't lose here, man. The Packers lose. Because guess th- get this. If you move off of Rodgers and you put your boy Jordan Love in, you're going to suck too. And if you're Rodgers and they send you to some turd team, hell, they're so pissed off right now at Aaron Rodgers, they may send him to the Toronto Argonauts or the CFL. That's how pissed off they are at him, okay? You, you, you know how, like, you know, Greg Popovich got mad at, like, you know, um, Kawhi Leonard. Kawhi just didn't want to play for the guy anymore. He just thought the guy was fully, you know what. So guess what he did? He exiled them to Canada. He says, okay, you want to really be a turd here? 
I'm going to send your ass to Canada. What did he do? He won the NBA championship, and he's the finals MVP. Hey, Greg, did you guys make the playoffs last year? That'd be a no. Can't keep your super, superstar in your own building. That's on Greg Popovich. That's kind of what the Packers are in right now. Their superstar doesn't want anything to do with you. There are so many tentacles here with this. Let's first start out here with this. How do you think his teammates are viewing this whole storyline being played out and get this being played out so publicly? How do you think this is playing out with the guys in the locker room? Because first and foremost, that's where it matters the most when it comes to your teammates. Now, look, we could start out with individually Aaron Rodgers, but let's start with the team, okay? Let's go here with this. Do we all agree the Packers are one of the top four teams in the NFL? I say they are. And for the record, I don't think they're the fourth best team. They may be the second or third best team next to Kansas City. They're right there, man. They were two bad plays away in that NFC Championship game on going to the Super Bowl. That football team is not far away. And if you're everybody in that room, you're 53 dudes in there, you're doing this. Man, we're messing around with the 2021 season. Not just being competitive, but being a Super Bowl contender if Rodgers is not on the team, correct? He's not on that team, man. You are not going anywhere near the playoffs, let alone getting close to the NFC Championship game. So let's go there. How's everybody in that locker room feel? See, if I was a guy in that locker room and I was relying on him because we have to rely on the quarterback because it's the most important position, and I was a veteran guy, and you're trying to tell me it's not about money, it's more about how they do business, then I would look at Aaron Rodgers and say this, Hoss, I'm going to back you if it's about money because I'm never going to go into another man's wallet. And I'm not going to tell him how to live his life or spend his money. Just not going to do that. It's not my place. Every man is accountable for his own actions. But now you're starting to tell me you don't like it here because you don't like the way people do business here. Well, dude, you've been here 16 years. Do you want to be here or not? Because what you're doing now is you're really throwing a wrench in what could be a spectacular year this year and us doing something special. What is it? You know, crapper, get off the pot here, man. What are we doing here with this? So I, I, I probably say this to you, that 70% of the locker room would like to tell Aaron Rodgers, dude, come on, let's, let's get this thing rolling and let's just let's go through it. Work out your contract. If you want to get an extension, that's one thing. But don't be so damn public with everything. Don't let those turds in the media hear all this stuff and see all those videos and see you doing a hula dance in Hawaii. It's almost like you're jamming it in their face. And by the way, let's take a look at what the Packers have done in the last couple weeks here. You got Mark Murphy saying that Aaron Rodgers divides the team. And then you got, on the other hand, the general manager going around going, he's our quarterback for the time being. That doesn't sound very comforting if you're Rodgers, too. Now, look, NFL's a cold game, man. That's why that Super Bowl trophy steal, it's cold, okay? Not a lot of feelings in the game when it comes to how you think and how you feel as a player. It's been that way forever. You have to know that. These owners and teams have you by the cannoli. They totally have you by the cannoli, and they always use that as leverage. Well, here's the biggest leverage that Aaron Rodgers has. You know why he's doing all this? 
because he knows that Jordan Love sucks. The only reason and the only way that you know that you have leverage on your team is that the next guy can't go in and deliver the goods like when Rodgers went in and delivered the goods when they moved Favre. Plain and simple, he knows it. He's seen him practice about 100 times. He knows quality and he knows turdness. And that's turdness. By the way, that's a sillyism. Thank you. Chalk it up. He knows the guy can't play. And I'll throw something else at you. I don't know. Krause, Cal, all the guys that work on the show. Have you guys ever seen any Packer video of Jordan Love throwing the ball, like even at camp? And I'm not just talking about throwing it to a coach. I'm like, I have seen no highlights. You remember when Daniel Jones replaced Eli and the Packers, um, they obviously haven't taken a cue from what the Giants said. You remember Daniel Jones? It was on like their Twitter feed. He was dropping back like this guy was going. Like John Facinda was talking. And there's Daniel Jones. It's in practice. Throwing the ball down. It's slow motion. They had music behind it. I was like, holy cow. This guy's in a practice. And he's, they've got a John Facinda guy going. And there's Daniel Jones. The future of the New York Giants. By the way, I'm with Howard Eskin. I think he sucks. Look. He's throwing the ball down the field. You're like, holy cow, look look at a slow motion. That's incredible. Daniel Jones. Yeah, he's still a turd. And, and, and they had all these highlight reels of him. One practice. Jordan Love, they're hiding. Why would you hide something that if you're going to think that he's going to be the heir apparent to Aaron Rodgers, why would you be plastering that guy out there? Wouldn't you? Don't you agree? If you're the Packers and you're barking the way you're doing, why wouldn't you be out there just throwing every single accolade? This guy, Brian Jordan, this guy, Jordan Love, he's so flipping great. Oh, my God. Hey, have you seen this guy drink water? I mean, holy cow. I mean, you would think he was the Pope. Have you seen this guy eat a hot dog? You would think he was Jimmy Chesnick. I mean, have you seen this guy? Have you seen this guy right? I mean, you would think he's Hemingway. I've never seen anything like it. It's like Joe Rogan. You know, Joe Rogan calling a UFC game. This is the greatest UFC match I've ever seen. Haas, you say that every, <laughs> you say that every event. Greatest UFC fighter that's ever lived. On the history of the planet, Spider-Man. I mean... Yeah, just unbelievable. The greatest I've ever seen, Cormier. And you're like, you say that every fight, Joe. But Joe's selling it. He's doing the right thing. The Packers aren't selling this guy. Why is that? You're hiding him? What is he, a secret weapon? He's the Packers' scud missile. Packers have a secret weapon. <laughs> Jordan Love. Well, when do we get to see um, some of the action? You don't. Well, wait. Well, how do I know he could take over for? We know. Oh, you know. Well, we did draft Aaron Rodgers, and we. You mean you got lucky on the trade for, you know, Brett Favre because you didn't draft Brett Favre. The Falcons did. They flipped that thing up. Ron Wolf got lucky. Let me have four. I'll take four. Let's see if it works out. 
because Magic Don Mikowski wasn't the magic man, was falling all over himself. Finally, they had to go find something. And Ron Wolf had no get this. The Falcons were dying to get rid of four. It turned out to be an absolutely brutal move for them. But it wasn't like I mean, he and he was basically a little bit luckier than how Sean Payton got Drew Brees into New Orleans. Remember, Drew Brees fell out of the sky. And they had no other choice because Dante Culpepper was taken by Miami and Nick Saban. Everyone's like, well, the Saints, look at what they did when they ended up bringing in Drew Brees. No, they had no other choice because there was no other free agent quarterback out there at that time. Uh, They would have took Culpepper too. And get this, if the Dolphins would have got the second guy, Nick Saban's probably still coaching in the NFL. So when you look at the dude that they have in Green Bay – they know he sucks. That's why they're hiding it. I have, I mean, I don't know, but seriously, I <laughs> I have not seen any video of the dude, like, ever. I mean, there's as much video on him as a Packer as there is as much game tape on Trey Lance at North Dakota State. I mean, I got to YouTube that guy. Hey, me and Trey Lance got a lot in common. We're on YouTube. How you doing? Right? I mean, I was like, okay. So they know this guy stinks. They know, okay? And now what are his teammates thinking now? I mean, dude, we're so close to getting this thing done. Why can't we come to a conclusion that's beneficial for us? Now, listen, I got another bit of news. Now, look, when I say this, people are all over my Twitter page going, Julio, so stupid. Dude, okay. I got the Wentz deal right because Frank Reich told you right here on the National Football Show when I had him on my national radio show that they were going to go for a veteran quarterback. There was only one guy. I knew it from the beginning. It was just a matter of when. I got the Stafford deal right to the Rams. This is all this offseason here. By the way, that guy in Houston who said that Deshaun Watson – Um, had not decided whether or not he was not going to show up for organized team activities and mandatory minicamp. His agent basically called me a liar on my Twitter page. Well, guess what? Deshaun Watson didn't show up to organized team activities or mandatory minicamp. So he's the freaking liar. And now on this here, you got to remember some. How many teams do you think Howie Roseman calls in a weekly basis? How many teams do you think he possibly calls? 15, 12? Looking for a piece? Maybe looking for a future piece. Maybe looking for a guy down the line where they may trade draft choices in next year's draft. You think these guys just sit back on their ass and the draft is over? Man, you're out evaluating college talent, college guys, and your pro guys are out doing what right now? Do you know what an NFL team is doing? See, I don't know if you guys understand what an NFL team's doing right now. You know what a talent scout in a pro personnel department is doing right now? They're looking at every single roster, 90 guys getting ready to go to the July camps. Or they're looking at guys who could potentially be waived now. And they've got a book on you, and they've got game film on you, and they've got some type of film on you or some kind of metrics on you on who you are. Every guy right now going into – the fall camps, you got 90 guys going into the fall camp. Every personnel guy in all 32 teams knows who you are. That's why the exhibition seasons are sometimes more important 
than you really think because you know why? The talent evaluators on all these 32 teams get a chance to see you in action instead of just looking at the metrics, um, whether you were at the mini camp or whether you were at a um, camp where you were doing a pro day or you were at the NFL combines. Okay, they've got all film on you running your shuttles, running your 40, bench pressing, playing in an exhibition game. And that's what guys do. That's what quality control coaches do. They break all that down and they put you on a reel. They'll go like this, Dan Cilio. And there'll be reels of my combine. There'll be reels of my pro day. There'll be reels of me playing in an exhibition in regular season game. And there'll also be reels on what I do, who I am, our interview. Some of that will be on there as well. So these guys have a full tape on you. Let me go to his interview. Let me hear him. Let me see him uh, doing um, a hula hoop drill. Can he run the hoop? Okay. Let me see him on third and four because this is maybe what you need. You need like a run stopper down in the red zone, and you want to maybe bring in an extra defensive tackle, which means you may have to get rid of another old lineman, which you don't want to do. So maybe what you do is you – Yet you take a linebacker or a strong safety out of the room that's on your special teams because you got to be deep in some areas. You got to be deep in O line and D line. Okay. Your fronts, you have to have the bodies to get through a 16, now 17 regular. These are what these guys are doing. Every single one of these guys. So they're, co- so they're constantly on the horn with teams. Hey, what do you think of, of, of our guy, Cal here? Wait, do you think he's um, a pretty good guy when it comes to um, getting guys on the ground? And you guys will talk about it in the room. And then what Howie Roseman or what Kevin Colbert of the Steelers will do, they'll call up and ask if he's available. Or they'll wait and watch to see if you guys end up cutting him for the camp. Because what you don't want to do is you don't want to start calling teams on guys that are on your roster now. Because why? It's a trade piece. And then you have to trade value. Where sometimes if you just see a guy get cut and he's a late draft choice or he was a free agent sign, costs you nothing. You bring the guy in. That's how the that's how the Steelers got James Harrison. You know how the Steelers got James Harrison? That great outside linebacker, probably going to the Hall of Fame. The Ravens cut him. Can you imagine if you had James Harrison and Terrell Suggs on the other side of each other during that time when you had Ray Lewis and Ed Reed in your secondary on what that Ravens defense would have looked like having James Harrison there? They had James Harrison in camp actually twice and cut him twice. Steelers signed him for nothing. He's got a Hall of Fame resume now. So these are what all these guys are doing. So they're making thousands of calls to people. They're making thousands of inquiries. So when I say something and you hear people, look, how many people believe that Tyson Hill and Jameis Winston is the future in New Orleans? Does anybody? I don't. Do you think the Saints have the future quarterback there for Sean Payton in the quarterback room right now? Do you think the Steelers have their quarterback in their quarterback room right now with Mason Rudolph, okay, and Dwayne Haskins? Do you really think those two guys are going to take over for Big Ben? Kevin Colbert, who's in the AFC, Now, look, the NFC is a little more trickier because the Packers are in that also. But why wouldn't Kevin Colbert of the Steelers go 37 years of age, okay? 
Maybe what we do is we call up to Green Bay. Let's see if you know how serious they are when it comes to making a deal. Because guess why? You know why Kevin Colbert's going to make a call to find out how serious the Packers may be dealing um, Aaron Rodgers? Because get this, Denver's going to clearly be on the horn. And then Kevin's going to get a sense of what's going on at the quarterback position in the AFC. You don't think he knows right now that Denver and Miami are sitting there thinking about either two quarterbacks, Deshaun Watson, and the reason they can't go there is because of the pending lawsuits that are out there. And you've got Aaron Rodgers. In the, that guy is in the NFC. He's more expensive in the time being. But get this, Deshaun Watson is a guy you could be a legacy guy on your team because he's under 30. So you're looking at those two you, when you just don't sit back and do nothing while somebody else in your conference does something, would Denver become an automatic player for a Super Bowl if they got Aaron Rodgers? It's a dumb question for even me asking myself that. That means the Steelers would be even further back, correct? So the Steelers have to get on their horse and have to start thinking about potentially finding the heir apparent to Ben Roethlisberger. Kevin Colbert was on this show, this show here. Go back and listen. And they know the future's next year. Okay? They got to find a dude. Ben's not playing quarterback for the Steelers next year. And then when you look at the Saints, I'm trying to get Sean Payton on, this, on the horn with us. Because I want to ask him. I know he loves Tyson Hill. He gave him a boatload of dough. I know all of that. So there are so many questions out there with this. So when I say this to you, and I post it, don't you think 32 general managers are trying to jockey on how the landscape of the league is going to look if Rodgers is moved? Because if Aaron Rodgers, I can't believe people are this dumb, that you would think Howie Roseman is one of the biggest wheeler and dealers. So is Chris Greer down in Miami. By the way, we'll have Armando Salguero on with us from the Miami Herald in the second hour. He covers the Miami Dolphins, and here in a couple minutes from Sports Illustrated, we will talk to Howard Bolzer. Both of these guys, Hall of Fame voters. We only put Hall of Fame voters on the Dan Cilio show, okay? Just so you know, these are nobodies. These are not these dot-com guys and these blogger dudes that basically my daughter could turn into a, into a uh, analyst. These are people that have been covering the sport for years and that we trust when we throw something at them. You don't think I talk to these men, too? who are constantly in the plug, plugged into the now, the now right now, man, people are – I don't really think most fans understand how the league works when it comes to personnel decisions and people moving uh, pieces around. You know, when Jimmy Johnson – let me give you a little insight on that. When Jimmy Johnson made the infamous trade of trading Herschel Walker to the Minnesota Vikings, do you remember how many players were involved? There was like seven. Do you know what Jimmy Johnson told every single Minnesota Viking player that was traded? You, here, I'm quoting. You'll never play a down in a Dallas Cowboy uniform. You'll never play. Not one guy ever played a down in a Dallas Cowboy uniform. Jimmy goes, I want the draft choices, the thirds and the seconds and the first. I, I, I don't really want you on my team. He goes, no disrespect, but. He, went, he cut every one of those guys. He took the draft choices because back then it was tied into that. 
And that's why they changed the rule because Jimmy never, Jimmy didn't want, he didn't want the player. He wanted the picks. All right. We're going to talk to our friend Howard Balzer and get his thoughts on all this mess. You keep it right here on the National Football Show. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say. But as I always say. It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life, count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods. Your vacation, your way. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. This is a key. It's a family tree. It's a pair of wings. It's a secret handshake. And a ticket to anywhere in the world. It's more than a uniform. It's the door to a world most people only dream of. There's strong, and then there's army strong. Try it on at GoArmy.com. Welcome back to the National Football Show with your boy Dan Cilio. Hope all are having a great Tom Brady and Russell Wilson were at mandatory minicamp this week. Setting the tone for the 2021 season. It's not important that those men have to participate in all the drills. By the way, Brady, from what I understood, participated in each and every single drill except for the blitz drill today. And Bruce Arians said he was 
showing no signs of the surgeries that he had. By the way, Bruce came out earlier in the week, and I even texted him and said that you know he was a little bit more hampered by that injury that he had through the regular season, and it got better towards the end of the season, believe it or not, but it had to be fixed. And you saw that kind of pick up in, in Brady's play. By the way, congratulations to Jason Light, the general manager, and Bruce Arians on getting contract extensions. So well-deserved. Bruce has done a marvelous job at running the Buccaneers. I mean, you know, I've always had great respect for him. I sent him a text earlier today congratulating him on getting his extension. You know, the other day I asked Jason Cole if he thought that he was a Hall of Fame coach. And, you know, Jason rightfully so said, let's wait and see how this whole thing plays out, especially if he gets another Super Bowl this year. And Bruce Arians goes back to back and he has two Super Bowl championships. Uh, then you start looking at the entire resume, him as an assistant coach, on what he did in Pittsburgh, winning those three titles there, working with Roethlisberger, working with Bill Cowher, working with Mike Tomlin. You know, he's the only interim head coach ever to win Coach of the Year award when he took over for Chuck Pagano when he was in Indianapolis. Did marvelous things with um, Andrew Luck. And by the way, Andrew Luck, I thought, was at his best when Arians was the head coach. No disrespect to Chuck. I love him dearly. Um, I knew Chuck as a GA when he was down at the University of Miami and one of my dearest friends, and I love Chuck Pagano. I think he's up in Chicago right now as a defense coordinator. And I'm telling you, he's just not the same type of offensive mentality, you know, that Bruce Arians has. No risk it, no biscuit. Let's go. You know, that's Bruce. And I thought he did a hell of a job when he was in Arizona. Got to remember the Bidwells had not really done a very good job at constructing a football team even when they were in St. Louis and when they were in um, in Arizona. Now, they did get to uh, some pretty good heights with Ken Wisenhunt for a small spell when he was the head coach there, but I thought Bruce really did a hell of a job there. So, um, yeah, no, I I think that it was great to hear that Brady was at the mandatory minicamp. And also, I thought it was great to hear Russell Wilson was there. Russell Wilson has been – kind of kicking the tires the same way that Aaron Rodgers has been kind of kicking the tires. Okay. But the difference is in Seattle, they heard Russell Wilson. Wilson said he didn't want to get sacked. He didn't want to get tackled. He didn't want to take the amount of hits. He had been the most hit quarterback, you know, since he burst onto the league and he came from Wisconsin. He wanted that address. What did they do? They, in the last two years, they've drafted receivers. They got DK Metcalf last year. Now they were in the they were in the Julio Jones sweepstakes. They heard him because Pete Carroll knows, hey, going out and trying to develop another quarterback now at 70 years of age, Pete doesn't want to do that. Pete wants to do something with like what they're doing in San Francisco. I really love what they're doing in Frisco. Because you drafted your future and you're in a position where you've got your present with Garoppolo. I think that is the absolute perfect scenario on how you construct a team. You got a guy that's not going to kill you in your salary cap because Garoppolo's not going to kill you this year when it comes. And you got Trey Lance, who's on a rookie contract. And that's how you build it, man. It's well done. When John moved up to number three and he moved up there, got the Dolphins pick at number three and was able to get Trey Lance, he knew right then and there. That's why the price tag. For Jimmy Garoppolo, was in a position where they were going like this: where we're only going to move the guy unless we get a first round draft choice. If we don't get a first round draft choice for Garoppolo, 
We are not moving the dude. So in a sense right there, they had put the tag on it. We're not moving off of Jimmy unless somebody gives us value. Remember what they did with New England? They only had to surrender a second-round draft choice. They've already won this, this, this move here with New England. The guy got him to a Super Bowl. He's 22-8 and eight over the last couple of years since he's been in – uh, since he's been in San Francisco, the only problem has been that this guy's been just too banged up. I mean, 53, 53% of the games he has missed since he's been the 49ers quarterback. That's why they went into the draft and they had to go get themselves some security for the future because they know he can't do that. So you had Wilson in camp and you had Tom Brady in camp. And these guys are setting the tone. They're not going to practice a whole boatload of times. But seeing those dudes in there sets the tone for the rest of the guys that are on that roster. And it also does this. It sets the tone for the rest of the season. That's not what's going on in Green Bay. Let's bring in our friend here, Howard Balzer from Sports Illustrated. We're so glad that we're able to catch up with him each and every single time some of these stories start breaking around. Howard, um, let's get your take on this here, man. What do you take of what's going on in Green Bay? You there, Howard? All right, let's see if we can get this back here, get the audio taken care of here. We'll get the audio taken care of here in a second here. This, This story, and again, you've got the president of the team in Mark Murphy, and you've got the GM making these comments. Let's go back to Howard Balzer here. And Howard, I want to set it up a little bit better this time for you here. So in the last month, you have the you have the general manager coming out saying Aaron Rodgers is our quarterback for the time being. And then over the weekend, you have Mark Murphy suggesting that Aaron Rodgers is, is dividing us. Now, to use the fan base as a prop, I think he means more so that he's talking about it's dividing us in the building. How are you taking all of this going on? Howard, you have to unmute. Unmute. All right, let's see if we can get this done here and see if we can – maybe we can figure this out here and get (laughs) – hey, one thing is for sure, technology, live, TV, streaming (laughs) – (laughs) Oh, man here. Oh, good, man. Oh, good. Hopefully we can catch up. But you have the GM, okay, coming out and making comments that we are sitting here and we're going like this. Come on, dude. You know, you don't need to do this publicly here. Okay? Let's see if we can do it for a third time. And let's see if we can bring our guy um, up here right now. Howard, are we there? No, we're not there. All right, let's take a time out here. Let's take a time out here and see if we can fix this up here. Guys, let's take a quick time out. Let's see if we can fix this here. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say. But as I always say. It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life, count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. 
Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to steersnacks.com. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods, your vacation, your way. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. This is a key. It's a family tree. It's a pair of wings. It's a secret handshake. And a ticket to anywhere in the world. It's more than a uniform. It's the door to a world most people only dream of. There's strong, and then there's army strong. Try it on at GoArmy.com. Welcome back to the National Football Show with your boy Dan Cilio. We're now joined by our friend Howard Balzer. Howard, how are you, my friend? I I can't hear you now. I got you, Howard. All right, let's see if we can fix this here, and let's see if we can um, maybe try to work this out here. If not, maybe we'll move on here a little bit. And, you know, I was just thinking here in the timeout, you know, I mean, how does this look for Aaron Rodgers? You know, how, how, how does this look for his brand? How does this look for, you know, it's, see, this is where I think it's really heading here in a way. He's got to determine whether or not he can stomach this. If he really wants to go forward with this to make this thing really ugly, because let's, let, let's use James Harden as a example here. James Harden, okay, James Harden had to do this. James Harden had to make that scenario ugly in Houston. 
And if you really look at every single scenario that every guy that's ever wanted out, okay, of a particular franchise, had they, have they not had to make that scene look ugly? They they had to be a guy who was really looking at that and going like this. This is not really going to make me look good here. Because quite frankly, if you take a look at all the things that are being set up in Green Bay right now from the fans, they're pro-Packer. And, you know, the one difference with the Green Bay Packers compared to all the rest of the teams in the National Football League, that is this, okay? That team's kind of run like a college team. And no matter what kind of superstars have ever played in Green Bay, let's be candid here, man. I mean, that organization has always been loved by the community. It's the only self-owned team by that community, and that's how they operate. That's why I think Mark Murphy, the general manager, and everybody on the board of directors there in Green Bay, I think everybody in that building does this. They look at it like that. They look at it like, okay, um, at the end of the day here, this is how we've operated, and this is how we've had success for all these decades. So that's why they're not budging off this. All right, we'll talk a little bit more about this in hour number two. Let's move on here to a little bit here with Tua Tagovailoa. We're going to be talking to Armando Salguero in hour two from the Miami Herald, and we will get his thoughts on whether or not – how about this? Are the Dolphins kicking tires up in Green Bay as well? Are you completely sold that Tua Tagovailoa is your guy? Here's where I am, and again, you know – I, I want to give the the pluses and the minuses here on Tua. Ready? I really love the guy. I think Tua took a Viola, man. All the things I saw him do at Alabama, big fan of his. The way he ran the team, the way he was a teammate to Jalen Hurts, the way he communicated with Nick Saban. Okay. You know, for me, I, I look at this, and I'm looking at this, and I'm going like this. Bottom line here, um, there's no way on the planet you don't like the way that he operated, and you don't like the way that he conducted himself when he was a member of the Alabama Crimson Tide, okay? What I do like about him also is, is that his teammates really loved him. I mean, Ryan Fitzpatrick said nothing but – marvelous things about him and said spectacular stuff about him. But at the end of the day, this always comes down to one thing. What's that talent, whether or not you can translate your game from the college game into the pro ranks. So let's go there now. You know, the things that I saw last year and the things that I've heard lately about what he has said when it came to his preparation, I love the fact that he was exceptionally honest on something. He didn't understand the playbook. His teammates were a little bit down on him, not being better prepared for the upcoming season. Okay. That was one thing. And the way that he, again, was looking at the offense, he didn't feel comfortable when it came to calling plays. All that is okay. But you might want to said that privately. Why would you say that publicly? And why would his team want that out there? Okay, maybe at the end of the day, his team wants that out there because they're trying to explain to Chris Greer, the general manager of the Dolphins, 
and to Brian Flores, the head coach, that the ceiling is still as high as you think it is. Don't give up on us. And he's going to have the opportunity. What did they do? They went out, they got Jalen Waddle for him. And they got a guy that he was comfortable with, familiar with. He's being put in a position where he had a connection with him when he was in college. Same thing would happen when you saw the LSU wide receiver drafted and Cincinnati for Joe Burrow. This was all about a familiarity type of draft. Okay? That's what a lot of these people did when they went out and tried to find pieces for their young quarterbacks. And by the way, I completely subscribe to that. Tua's going to have an opportunity. He's got a good football team. They're really stout on defense. And I think Flores, Flores is probably one of the best coaches to come off the Belichick tree in a long time. Okay? I think Bill O'Brien was one of those guys. I think Bill's a good coach. He's now the OC at Alabama. I, I think that Brian Flores has shown me that he's an exceptional coach. You know, even in his first year, when the football team had no talent on it whatsoever, had no talent, they were still winning games in the final quarter of the season. Final four games, they were beating good football teams. And I couldn't tell you who was on that football team. And they were winning games. That's that's great coaching. And you always have to have somebody in the front office and in upper management that is working with you. Look, the best general managers are not the general managers who are this. And I'm not going to single anybody out here, but if you're if you look at an organization and you see general managers that have more power than the head football coach, can you show me any place where that works? Where the general manager has more autonomy over the game day roster than the head coach does. Show me a place. Let's take a look at that. Do you think the GM has more say than Andy Reid in Kansas City? Do you think the GM has more say in Tampa than Bruce Arians? Do you think the GM in Pittsburgh has more say? Now, by the way, I'm not suggesting that those GMs couldn't fire these head coaches at any time at the behest of the owner because they can. But these are GMs that don't – here are the GMs that don't get in the way. Jason Light doesn't get in the way of Arians. Tom Brady wanted something. Arians goes to Jason Light. Jason Light pulls the trigger and gets Antonio Brown. Okay? Andy Reid, they need a player. Andy Reid, he pulls the trigger, gets a guy in his building. Pete Carroll needs a guy, pulls the trigger, gets someone in his building. Those are the places that work. The places that don't work, watch this. Tom Telesco with the Chargers. Haven't the Chargers like been underachievers the last five years since Tom has been the general manager there in Los Angeles slash San Diego? Has he not? Follow me here on this. They put together a hell of a roster. But when the general manager has more say, and, and for the record, I'll get to San Francisco here in a minute. And I'm making a point here to you about how these GMs have to just sit back and let the coach coach. Chris Greer stays out of Brian Flores' way. You think John Lynch stays out of Kyle Shanahan's way? I think he does because John knows. Being a Hall of Fame player, he knows he can't control the entire team. But he does. But how he does it, he does it 
by sitting back and entitling people to do their jobs. He empowers people. You've got to put your ego aside. See, look, and I keep going back to Howie Roseman. Howie doesn't do this. Howie is control of the game day personnel. He hires the assistant coaches. He says who's going to play on Sundays. Can't win like that. You can't. You're getting in the way. And then what happens is, in the locker room, do you know what players start to do? And I'll tell you, this is a little bit of the issue in Dallas. Watch this. In Dallas, does the general manager have more say than the head coach? You know he does. He's the owner. And what happens when you have that kind of philosophy? When you have that kind of philosophy in the building, what do the players think? The players go like this. Well, uh, yeah, you know, maybe I don't really have to even talk to the head coach. I can go to the GM because the GM's got more say than the head coach. You kind of cripple the coach's power inside the locker room on getting anything done. You couldn't do that around Jimmy Johnson. So back to Tua, Brian Flores is basically telling Tua, we're going to go with you. You're our guy right now. Now see that comment that the GM in Green Bay made? Gunst, that guy? That would have been okay in Miami. You're our quarterback for the time being. Because why? Tua Tagovailoa hasn't built up any equity whatsoever yet. He hasn't built up any equity. We're not talking about Aaron Rodgers, who's just coming off an MVP season, throws 48 touchdowns and five picks. Okay? We're not talking about a guy like that. We're talking about more of a guy that is still in the learning stages in Tua. I like the kid. Now, someone asked me earlier, would I have given him a chance this year? Yeah. Now, all under the pretense of this, that I couldn't get Deshaun Watson or I couldn't get Aaron Rodgers to upgrade that position, then guess what? We're good right now with him. I'm okay with Tua. But if I get an opportunity to make a deal for Aaron Rodgers or I get a deal that I could bring in Deshaun Watson, all bets are off here. Remember something, I'm trying to improve my football team. I'm not trying to be buddies with you. And no disrespect, I really like the player. That's why you can't put personalities and you can't put liking somebody into a conversation in this thing here because at the end of the day, this comes down to winning ball games. Is Aaron Rodgers a jerk? Who cares? Who really cares whether or not he's a jerk or not? All right, let's move off that. Let's go into this one here. We had a conversation yesterday with our friend, um, and we were talking to Blaine, and we were getting some really I'll, – I'll, I'll, I'll flat out tell you this. That Julio Jones deal, him going to the Titans, and the impact that that's going to have on the AFC, Blaine Bishop said it perfectly yesterday. Man, you got yourself now an attack. You've now put yourself in conversation – with the Browns, with the Bills, with the Chiefs, with the Chargers. You're in that conversation now where you're one of the better teams. And I'll tell you what Tennessee has, in my opinion, that these other teams don't. Maybe Cleveland, because Cleveland's got a double-headed monster in the backfield with Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb. They can run the football at you, and that's basically what Kevin Stefanski, the the uh, Browns head football coach has started to do now. He started to make that team look a little bit like Tennessee. Look, when you got Derrick Henry in there, 
And now you've got two blocking big-time wideouts who can go out and get it. What have you done to your football team and the mentality of your football team? Let me throw this at you here. You now have made your football team an ass-kicking football team. You have made that team. You need your mouthpiece in on this game. That Tennessee Titans football team is going to be one of the rougher teams to play against. And if you, how about this? That's a kind of football team that if you get 60 plays, do you know what that traditionally means? 60 plays? You're lucky in a 60 minute ball game if you get 10 series. Because why? They run the football, and the way that they run the football, they take time of possession. They take field position away from you. If they don't turn the ball over, and they're third and short, and Derrick Henry's getting five yards a clip, man, I'm telling you, you may get that ball 10 times in an entire ball game. See, when you play against a pass-happy football team, and they get five or six three-and-outs, you're probably going to get 15 to 18 series, maybe 20 series. That's going to come out to around 65, 70 plays. Most teams average that. But when you play against a Tennessee Titans team that runs the ball and their receivers, get this, their receivers catch like 70, 80 footballs, and you can run the football the way that they do, I, I'm telling you, that is going to be a football team to contend with. As long as we don't see any kind of significant injuries when it comes to the players that they have in the offensive line, Tennessee is going to be a big-time contending team. They could be one of your outlier teams. I know. You know, you're saying, well, Sills, I mean, uh, you know, they're they're one of the better rosters. I get it, but I don't know if they're a better roster than Cleveland. I don't know if they're a better roster than Buffalo or Kansas City. You know, the guy playing quarterback in Kansas City could still spin it. You know what I mean? So you you you've you've got to look at you know, that scenario there, how they're going to go forward and how they're going to protect their guys. The Titans, I don't know if they're deep enough. I haven't really done enough research on that, on whether or not they're deep enough. But that football team is going to be in a position, in my in, in, in my take, that I think that they're going to be right there when it comes to being a contending team for an AFC championship seat. All right. Let's go on to this. You know, one of the things that I said going into this year, I, I have not talked. I have not talked more Jaguar football in my life than I have leading up to OTAs, mini camps, getting ready for the July camp. I I can't think the I can't think it over the years who I've talked more to, even when I was calling games in Florida and even when I was doing my sports talk show in Florida, I don't remember ever spending this much time on the Jacksonville Jaguars and whether or not that football team was going to really have great success because of the change of the change in direction of the head coach and bringing in Trevor Lawrence. My question going in, I think, is going to be, the one that everyone should have on the top of their masthead, and that is this. Who do you think has more success in Jacksonville, Urban Meyer or Trevor Lawrence? You know, Trevor Lawrence comes into the NFL as one of the highest 
profiled quarterback prospects I have ever seen. I would say this to you. The prospects over the last maybe 40 years, you would say that were just absolute can't-miss guys. Elway comes to mind, Jim. Um, I wouldn't say Patrick Mahomes because of the position that he was drafted in. Nobody had those high marks on Patrick Mahomes. Peyton Manning comes to mind. Okay, Vinny Testaverde, when he came out of the University of Miami, 6'5", could throw the ball 90 yards down the field. He was a guy that many people were circling that were saying that was going to be a can't miss. And by the way, for the record, Vinny did throw for 50,000 yards in the NFL and played 25 years. wasn't like he had a sorry-ass career as a number one overall selection. He has. I thought Cam Newton coming in was a big-time prospect. And Cam won an MVP award. But the way Cam has played at the end of his uh, back end of his career has taken its toll on him. It's clearly done him in. So when I see Trevor Lawrence, uh, the amount of wins that he had at Clemson, how he won games, how he was able to like take that roster and elevate the players around him, and so many of those guys going into the National Football League and having success as well, I got to hand it to Dabo Sweeney. Dabo Sweeney did a hell of a job with him. And I think him coming into the NFL, as long as he has ownership around him, doing the things that you see Russell Wilson complaining about, Aaron Rodgers complaining about, and they keep putting the components around Trevor Lawrence, that kid's going to have success. I don't think he cannot have success. By the way, if you notice, I'm not bringing anything Tebow up here because Tebow's not relevant in the success or the future of that team. He's kind of like a crystal ball. Or no, not a crystal ball. He's kind of like a um, a Christmas ball on a tree. You know, there's so many of them. They all look good. Some don't. It's just a crystal. You know, he's just a Christmas ball on a tree. He's not the tree. Trevor Lawrence is the tree. And everybody else, you know, on that tree, they're all Christmas balls. You could take them off, put another one on to make your, you know, your tree look better, put better lights on it. But Trevor Lawrence is the tree. That's how you're going to find out whether or not you're going to win or you're going to lose. Is that guy's success? Nothing to do with Tim Tebow. Okay? Tebow's just a dude, man. He's just a Christmas ball. And I think Trevor Lawrence has an opportunity to go, yes, even into Jacksonville and to be a success. Now, Urban Meyer, on the other hand, I would say this to you about Urban Meyer. He has had massive success at the college level. Okay, incredible. Bowling Green even. Utah completely set that franchise up and that program up for guys like Kyle Whittingham who have been on our program and have been able to like take that program to another level. The reason why Utah is now in the Pac-12 is because, in my opinion, the foundation pouring that Urban Meyer did there at Utah for that program to be able to become an elite West Coast program, it's because of what Urban Meyer did. Meyer's success at that program was incredible. Then, on the other hand, he goes to Florida. He gets the job there, and Florida had been coming out of the Ron Zook era. And Ron Zook had taken, okay, had taken that program And after Steve Spurrier was there. Hell of a recruiter. But you know what? That program was six and five. They were not winning. He wasn't a very good football coach, head coach. Heck of a recruiter, as I said. But Jeremy Foley, the athletic director, said, let me get the best guy I could possibly get in here to turn this culture around. He brings Urban Meyer in. 
And I'm getting to the point whether or not he makes it in the NFL. You know, he sits back. He's really an opportunist. Things were a little bit shady at Florida, but very successful. Wins two national championships there. He leaves because of health reasons, and then he goes to Ohio State and just takes over what Jim Trestle did there and just elevates it. You know, I would compare this. What Urban Meyer did at Ohio State was kind of what Jimmy Johnson did when Jimmy took over for Howard Schnellenberger at Miami. Howard had put the foundation for the program to win national championships and had poured the cement. Jimmy walked in there, and Jimmy just started creating just a dynasty and all the great players that were in that organization and in that program, Jimmy just really elevated it. Dennis Erickson goes in and wins two national titles because of what Jimmy did. But Meyer now at Jacksonville, he has had numerous conversations and Jimmy Johnson was on our program here on the national football show talking about this. And he said, he thinks urban's going to have great success because urban has hired NFL people. Urban is trying to do this in Jacksonville. Whether it plays out or yet, I don't know. But he's going to try to build the culture that he had at Florida and the culture that he had at Ohio State, and he's going to try to put it in an NFL world. Will that work? It worked in Dallas for Jimmy Johnson, and it worked in Seattle for Pete Carroll. That is going to be the question this year going forward. I think Trevor, as long as he has good coaching around him, he's can't miss. Urban Meyer, on the other hand, we'll see if the players buy into it. All right. I want to hit on something. I just mentioned Coach Johnson. I want to give him some props on something. Something happened 37 years ago yesterday, and I want to hit on that. Hour two coming up, Armando Salguero from the Miami Herald. We'll talk Dolphin football in this hour. You keep it right here on the National Football Show. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say. But as I always say. It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life, count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods. Your vacation, your way. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. 
IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. This is a key. It's a family tree. It's a pair of wings. It's a secret handshake. And a ticket to anywhere in the world. It's more than a uniform. It's the door to a world most people only dream of. There's strong, and then there's Army strong. Try it on at GoArmy.com. Welcome to Hour 2, Dan Cilio National Football Show. Catch up with our friend, Armando Salguero from the Miami Herald at the bottom of the hour. We will talk to him. How about this? You think Chris Greer, the GM of the Miami Dolphins, is kicking tires on Aaron Rodgers? They were a little bit with Deshaun Watson. We'll hit on that a little bit, too. What's the latest with Deshaun Watson and where the Houston Texans are going? Tyrod Taylor's getting all the snaps, obviously, in the mandatory minicamp and all the OTAs that they have had so far. So, We'll hit on that a little bit. I want to throw this out there, and I kind of briefly touched on this a little bit yesterday. And I I had a great conversation over the weekend with Coach Jimmy Johnson. 37 years ago, Jimmy took over the University of Miami's football program. And it catapulted him. I got to tell you, when he first took over the program, we were all doing this. Who is this guy? Hair's perfect. You know, he has all these cliches. You know, we didn't know anything. Like, it was just, it was incredible. I, you know, you, you you either liked him or you didn't, you know? And it was really weird the first year. And then as the years started going on, I was there for him for three and a half years. And as the years started going on, he started understanding who he was and how driven he was to be a success. And how he dealt with everyone. You know, I, I, I haven't told this story here, and I'm going to tell you the story about how a good coach. You know, Joe Madden, the manager of the Angels, told me this story when he was managing the Tampa Bay Rays. I had a chance to cover the Rays for about 14 years. And I asked him, I go, Joe, how do you, how do, how do you have such a great relationship with each and every single one of your guys? And... You know, you you these you guys have like it was really cool when these guys would travel. Do you know what they would do? They would have these like theme nights, like uh, beach travel week. They would all dress up in like beach wear and get on the airplanes and like beach clothing wherever they were going. Or it, it, Halloween night, they would all get dressed up in all these outfits and they would 
he made it fun. And I was like, so what's the secret sauce here for you? Cause every coach has got his own remedy on how he stirs the sauce. And he's like, I have a personal relationship with every single one of my guys, all 24, 25 guys of mine. I have a personal relationship with every guy because when I have to be constructive, I can go to him and go, you're not getting it done. That's not the way we do it here. You need to be better here so that that player knows that it's coming from a place of love. I want the best for the player. I want the best for the bench coach. Okay. I want the best. Dave Roberts um, had worked with Joe Madden. Okay. Oh, there are so many bench coaches that have worked with, with Joe Madden and every one of them say it to the day that when you look at him and you're around him, he wants a relationship with every single guy in his dugout. And I thought, I thought about that for a minute. And I thought about my situation on how my coach dealt with me. It's funny. Certain coaches don't have that. Hey, and no disrespect to Ray Perkins who drafted me to the Buccaneers. I was the 56 player taken. He drafted me awful high, right? Junior coming out of the University of Miami. He never had a personal relationship. You know, when we had our best relationship, you know, God bless the last five, six years of his life, we had our best relationship. I apologized to him for being a knucklehead. And he apologized for not having patience. It was really cool. You know, sometimes when you find out what kind of guy a coach is, it's not so much when you're talking to him right now, but it's more so that when you find out 30 years later how he thinks about you, does he still stay in contact with you? I still talk to my high school football coach, Joe Anslone. I love the guy. He was one of the really good coaches that understood me, and I performed well for him. I did. All-state, All-American in high school. He was one of the reasons that I excelled. And he knew about my family. He knew everything about me. He knew how to handle me. There's certain coaches that just don't know how to handle other people because they don't have that personal quality. You know, Bill Belichick, when he was in Cleveland, he didn't have that personal quality. Where did he learn it? Well, he got hired back with the Jets under Parcells, and Bill even said to him, Bill, you got to be a little bit more lenient with these guys. And I'm not talking about not having these guys do the right thing. I'm talking about when a guy's late and he's Lawrence Taylor. Cute story. You know, Bill, Bill uh, Parcells is coaching the Giants, and they're getting ready for a big game over the weekend. And Belichick goes, I just want to tell you, Lawrence Taylor was late showing up to a meeting. Do you know what, you know what Parcells told him? Why'd you start the meeting? And took Belichick back. He goes, you got to know who the guys are in the room. It's not that you sit around and tolerate it, but a player like that's going to take that as something that, okay, he's one of my guys. He understands me. I'm going to go out and bust my ass for him. And that's exactly why Lawrence Taylor went out and played with a separated shoulder in that Saints game for Parcells because Parcells gave him the latitude. Now, is not every player going to go out and play through injury and pain like Lawrence Taylor did? All coked up like that? We know all the stories. But get this. He had his back. It's more important to get the players back in this than sit around and find him for being late to a stupid meeting that means nothing. That's knowing your players, having a relationship with them. Learning who they are, their parents. 
their likes and hates. And again, I'm talking about how Jimmy took our program over 37 years ago yesterday, University of Miami, and it propelled them to be a Hall of Fame coach in the National Football League. I mean, you think there's any coincidence that he went and set up three Super Bowls for Stephen Jones and Jerry Jones and the Dallas Cowboys? They haven't duplicated it since. If it was so easy, why haven't they done it since? It was Jimmy who went into that building and put that foundation uh, together for Jerry. Same thing he did with us. Let me give you a story here, too. You know, for me, when I got to Miami, um, things weren't very good in my past when it came to how I left the University of Maryland. Didn't like my position coach. We got into numerous arguments. The head coach loved me, and I loved him. Bobby Ross had great respect for Coach Ross. Coach Ross would end up going to the NFL, and he would end up taking the Chargers to a Super Bowl, and they got beat by the 49ers. He won a national championship, I believe, at Georgia Tech after he had his time at Maryland, and I really loved, and to this day, friends with Coach Ross. Really love him, okay? I get to Miami. I was either going to LSU or I was going to Oklahoma. I get a call from Butch Davis. And Butch Davis calls me and says, hey, we'd like you to come down to Miami. I'm not going to give you a scholarship. We'll give you a month and a half to earn one. And I was like, LSU and Oklahoma are giving me, they want to give me a ride, man. I mean, he goes, well, those programs aren't us. I had initially signed a scholarship to go to Oklahoma. I've posted it before, my my letter of intent to go to Oklahoma as I was transferring. And Jimmy, I said, well, Coach Johnson called me, and he convinced me to go to Miami. I get down there. I'll never forget, I get down to Miami, and Coach Johnson looks at me. You know, he doesn't say anything to me when I first get down there. I bench 500 pounds like I told him I could. Great, so the guy's a muscle head. I run a 4'8". Okay, so he's fast. That's important. Can he play? So I go in there, and I start just killing guys. Coach Johnson finally comes to me, and he comes to me, and he says, listen, I don't really know if I want you here yet. I've talked to people about you. You're kind of a troubled kid, ain't you? I said, depends who you talk to, coach. And he goes, well, we're going to find out. I want you to know something here. And he's talking to me like this. I want you to know something here. I don't need you, and I don't want you, quite frankly. I don't really care. But at the end of the day, we'll find out. So he put me in the auxiliary locker room right next to the toilet. Toilet was overflowing with crap going into my shoes, my locker. I was the last locker at the University of Miami sitting there next to the toilet. I'm like, man, I'm the low man on the totem pole even behind the damn freshman. I'm making a point to you on how coaches – all, remember, there's 85 guys on my team, and he's doing things differently to every guy on the team to get to know them, to challenge them, to find out if this is a guy that I want on my roster. 
to see if this kid could be somebody? Will he quit? When adversity's really down, were those people right or wrong? They were lessons that I didn't see then. Didn't see them. So I go out there month. Finally, Coach Johnson stops practice. And he goes, I want to tell everybody something here. Dan Cilio's won his scholarship. Congratulations. You can take it in. There was an hour and a half left of practice. I looked around. I, I won't lie to you, man. Tears came to my eyes. I was like, holy cow. These practices were so hard. I go in that locker room. He came in behind me. And he goes, how about this, man? You proved me wrong. I'm so happy for you. I looked at that guy, man, and I went like this. I'll run through a wall for this guy. To this day, I'm one of his favorite players. And I'll never forget that guy. And so when he took that program over, he did that with 85 guys like Michael Irvin getting in trouble with all the things that went on in Miami and all the things that went on in Dallas. Jimmy had their back. When people were getting in trouble, in Dallas, the White House stuff, Jimmy had their back because he knew who the guys were deep down inside. Those are your great coaches. I can spot, I tell my daughter this all the time, I can spot a great coach and a horrible coach within three minutes. Do you put your arm around a kid? Do you pat the kid on the rear end? Do you scold the kid in the right way? There's ways of doing it. And that guy was just a master at it. Pete Carroll does that stuff. And I do think Urban Meyer does a little bit of that as well. I do. I think that's for sure how the successful coaches. I think Nick Saban is like that. You know, Nick Saban hollering at people, that's all the media shows because you know why? It looks good on a YouTube. But you don't think behind the scenes, Nick Saban sitting there, and he's talking to each and every single one of his guys at Alabama. And he's sitting there talking to all those guys that he recruited. Because you know what the number one thing he's telling you? Hey, I brought you here for a reason. Because I know there's something inside you that I think there's something special in you. When you get drafted by a guy from Alabama or a player that comes out of Alabama, Nick Saban saw something special in you to go to a special program. That's what it was like when you went to the schools, when you have these big-time coaches like Urban Meyer or Jimmy Johnson or Pete Carroll, they see something in you, and when you get one of those scholarships at one of those programs at the time when they're sitting at top of the – you know, they're on top of the hill and they're king of the hill and they're king of college football, there's something special about that. So 37 years ago yesterday, Jimmy took over that Canes program. And the rest is history. Now, you know, Xander was talking to me uh, prior to going on the air. He goes, you guys are still living off of what you did, you know, years ago. He's right. The players today do live off of that. There's no question about it. USC too, okay? There's no doubt. I don't know if we'll ever see anything like that again with all those players that w- went on to the Hall of Fame. I think Alabama, what they're doing, I always, you know, I, I posted a soundbite of Ed Ogeron, and Ed doesn't think that they're in the same class of us because Ed was the defensive line coach for Warren Sapp and Cortez Kennedy and all those guys who went on to the Hall of Fame, and he coached all those guys, and now he's the head coach at LSU. 
And he doesn't think that those guys, and I posted that soundbite, and he doesn't think that they're in that league. But, however, what, what Nick is doing, it does remind me a lot of what we did. But Nick's doing it all by himself in a way because we had different coaches win national titles. We had Coach Nellenberger win one, who just passed away. Jimmy win one. And we had Dennis win one. And we had Larry Coker uh, go on and win two. So, or Dennis won two also. So, I mean, we did it with a bunch of guys, but they all kept the same program intact. So, yeah. But I just wanted to give some love out to Jimmy because it was incredible how he got there. And everyone looked around the room and they went, Jimmy who? It was in the front page of the Miami. Maybe I'll even bring that up with Armando at the bottom of the hour here. Um, it, it was Jimmy who taking over for Howard Schnellenberger and, Nobody knew who this guy from Oklahoma State was. The guy who kept his hair uh, perfect. It was crazy. All right, let's move on. The Deshaun Watson story is troubling in a way that we don't have clarity in the direction of a player's career, especially a special player like Deshaun. Why has the National Football League been so quiet? There's a couple... There's a couple ways to look at this. The league doesn't want to get out in front of anything. You notice he's not on the commissioner's exempt list. What happens when you automatically get put on the commissioner's exempt list? There's already an assumption that you've done something illegal or you've done something that warrants that the league comes down on you, which would what? It would put a stain on your reputation. That's why the NFL and the Players Association have actually stayed back from this. And I think it's been pretty, I think it's been brilliantly handled. Pretty good here, okay? You don't want to hurt the kids' market value. You don't want to hurt the kids' um, his ability to be able to make money, nor do you want to hurt the organization in value if you're going to move off the guy. If the Houston Texans come to the realization that they got to move off of Deshaun Watson, and I would think that Cal McNair, the son of Bob McNair, who's now the owner since the passing of Bob, um, you've got to be debating this right now. What are we going to do here? Because Tyrod Taylor is most likely going to be your starter on opening day if you're a Houston Texan. You've got to be sitting here with two options, and you've got to be running dual-track scenarios here. Do we move the player? Do we start taking calls? Do we start talking to people about moving the player? Do we try to resolve it? How do we handle this? Because you don't want to hurt your value. You know, that was the thing with Julio Jones going public on Undisputed with, with Shannon Sharp. And he was going around telling everybody, hey, man, I don't want to be here anymore. And I don't want to play here. Well, that hurts the market value for Julio Jones and the Atlanta Falcons to move him to other places. Now, at the end of the day, it really wasn't that crippling because they moved him to a team that they wanted. They ended up getting a second round for him. So no harm, no foul here. But in a scenario like this, you know this. If somebody goes out and says, we're in the pursuit of trying to bring, say Carolina, we're in the pursuit of going out and trying to get Deshaun Watson, you're automatically going to get liberal people coming out of the woodworks going, this guy's got sexual assault crimes potentially or civil suits against him that are out there pending. 
what do we do? It is a very tricky situation for the um, Houston Texans right now and the handling of Deshaun Watson. I do think the league, though, I do think the league has handled it right. All right. I want to know if the Dolphins are sold completely on Tua Tagovailoa. We're going to talk to our friend Armando Salgaro from the Miami Herald. NFL Hall of Fame voter, too. Pro Football Hall of Fame voter. We'll do that next. You keep it here on the National Football Show. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say. But as I always say. It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life, count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods. Your vacation, your way. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. This is a key. It's a family tree. It's a pair of wings. It's a secret handshake. And a ticket to anywhere in the world. It's more than a uniform. It's the door to a world most people only dream of. There's strong, and then there's Army strong. Try it on at GoArmy.com. Welcome back to the National Football Show with your boy Dan Cilio. We're going to talk to our Hall of Fame voter. Armando Salguero from the Miami Herald will get his thoughts on the Dolphins' 2021 season. And if he thinks that Chris Greer, the general manager, is maybe kicking some tires here 
to potentially go out and maybe sniff around Aaron Rodgers a little bit there. So we'll talk a little bit more about that. By the way, I just absolutely love and, and I, I, you know what? I think I had Armando on a couple of years back, and he even said this. Man, when I grow up, man, I just want to be Tom Brady. This guy's got the best wife. I mean, he does everything great. Look at what he's doing right now as a leader of the Bucks. You think he needs to be at minicamp right now? You know, you know what he would say? Yeah, I do. If you're – see – This is about being vested as a teammate. You know, I think it's so hard when I I, I'll tell you something else too. If there was a guy that I was ever going to compare Tom Brady to, it'd be Michael Jordan, but I think he's a kinder Michael Jordan. And follow me here. When you're such a superstar on a team sport, you've got to also be not only the most gifted guy on your team, but you've got to be the best teammate. Because there's no way Jordan learned this early in his career when he couldn't get by the Celtics or he couldn't get by the Pistons that you needed to have the village to be able to go out and win Super Bowls. It's the only way you can do this. It's the only way, okay, for you to be able to do this. And I think that's one of the reasons why I think Tom Brady's not only that, he's just absolutely one of the greatest uh, teammates of all time. And my boy Armando said this years ago, and I bring him on here. Armando goes like this to me. He goes, Cilio, tell me, Brady's got the best looking wife. He's got the championship rings. When I grow up, I want to be Tom Brady. <laughs> Armando, how you doing, brother? What's up, Sills? Uh, uh, you, baby. <laughs> walking in, yeah. <laughs> I know. I hear you. I see. I see. I know. Oh. I know what's up with you and me and South Florida. What can I tell you? Oh, good, man. All right, Armando, I'm going to start it out here with you, man. Are you a Tua fan? Do you think he's the dude? Um. So I think he has a chance to be the dude. Are you going to ask me, is he definitely the dude? No, of course not. He's not definitely the dude. What has he proven? He, you know, the last time he played a football game, he threw three interceptions. And so you got to wonder what's going on. Um, I think the Dolphins have done everything that they possibly could to surround him with enough talent to be good. Look, at Alabama, he had no less than four first-round draft picks playing wide receiver at any one time around him. He doesn't have that in Miami. And if he didn't certainly have that in Miami last year. So now at least, you know, he's got Jalen Waddell, Devontae Parker's good. They, they, they've done some things this offseason to surround him, to upgrade the offense. And they're thinking that if that's a tide that will lift the two a boat, then, hey, we're off and running. But Tua's got some issues that he's got to get over, and if you want to ask me what they are, that's a, that's a significant conversation. How about this, too? And here's some of those. I mean, I, I liked how open he was about how, again, and you know what? Take it from a guy who walked into an NFL locker room. I didn't understand the playbook right away, too. Hey, I didn't understand the terminology. I found it tough to be in a new environment too. But hey, Tua, welcome to the NFL. Every rookie goes through that. And when I saw Joe Burrow and I saw Justin, 
you know, and I and, and I saw Justin Herbert over with the Chargers and how those guys acclimated themselves better. I was like this, okay, well, what was the holdup? I can't think Chris Greer and Brian Flores didn't set up the environment for him to walk in there and have that same type of environment. What could have been the issue with him not being prepared for games? Well, uh, he has said that he wasn't comfortable with the playbook. He wasn't comfortable getting to the line of scrimmage knowing and seeing in what's in front of him and knowing that the play was going to fail, but that he didn't, he wasn't equipped to change it. So basically what was happening was he had to do the best that he could with a play he knew was going to fail and still run it anyway. And this is the question. Tua, are you in that situation because you didn't study the playbook enough? You didn't, um, you know, digest enough? You didn't spend enough time doing that? Or you're not you, – you just didn't get it mentally. You weren't smart enough to digest it during the week to know what you were doing a hundred percent of the time on Sunday. There's a big difference in those two things. Yeah. And neither one of them is good, by the way, one of them is a mistake of omission that you didn't work hard enough. The other one is a mistake that I don't know that anybody can get past unless he finds other ways to learn the you know the stuff that he is being asked to digest. I do know this. Tua is learning right now what it means to be a professional. I don't think he knew it all the time last year. I think that he kind of leaned on the fact that Ryan Fitzpatrick was around and he knew that Ryan Fitzpatrick A was the starter at least early in the season and B later on would bail him out as he did in a couple of games when Tua in the fourth quarter got benched. Is he a leader? You know, I think he 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 is. I think he connects with guys. I think I'll say this. In my 30 years covering the NFL, I've never talked to a rookie quarterback who said, you know what, um, I've collected all the phone numbers of all the players and I'm going to hit them up. Huh. And that was like on day one of after being drafted. And so he was ready to kind of step into the void of leadership, which the Dolphins didn't have because Ryan Fitzpatrick, again, was, you know, he was a significant shadow and cast that shadow long. I mean, that guy was beloved in the Dolphins locker room. And so Tua tried to step in there as much as he could. This year, there's no Ryan Fitzpatrick in Miami. So... It's do or die for Tua. Do you think they're kicking the tires on Aaron Rodgers or Deshaun Watson? So I don't think they're kicking the tires on Aaron Rodgers. Okay. First of all, I don't think that the Green Bay Packers are there. <laughs> so, you know, I, I, I can't believe it either. I mean, I, I just, I mean, the only thing I would say to you, Armando, is so a couple months ago, you had the general manager going, he's our quarterback for the time being. I'm glad my wife doesn't say that. Hey, Cilio, you're my husband for the time being. And then you just over the weekend, you had Mark Murphy, the president of the team, going, this guy's dividing us. And he threw the prop of the fans out. But you know what he meant about people in the locker room. I mean, you know, he's saying, and they go like this to Armando, we get letters. Who the hell sends letters? The Packers, are they're like still in my space. I mean, I mean – how are you reading that? Before we move on, how are you reading that whole thing? 
Uh, well, he said letters typed on a Corona typewriter. <laughs> it's like, what? <laughs> what? So, uh, look, the Aaron Rodgers thing, the Green Bay Packers have to do everything, everything that they can to prevent that from turning into the, the post-Aaron Rodgers Green Bay Packers because they've been a, a title contender the last two years. They went to the NFC Championship last year. The reason I did that is Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers is that team. And without Aaron Rodgers, they're not that team anymore. They're an also-ran. And welcome to the, you know, to what everybody is suffering through. Sorry, Jordan Love, but that's just the fact. (laughs) So if you're the general manager that somehow displaced Aaron Rodgers, dude, (laughs) that's not a a good line on your resume. That's right, check. So I'm sure that they're going to do everything that they can to make sure that come training camp, and again, it's not about mini camp. It's not about now. It's not about June. Come training camp that Aaron Rodgers is on that team. Then we'll talk. If he's not, then we'll talk about, uh-oh, this is for real. This is right. the real deal. How about but Deshaun? I don't see that being the real deal right, right now, not yet. How about Chris Greer looking at Deshaun Watson and what that thing is? Because, again, here's something too, Armando. You know, it's really weird. The, I, I was just bringing this up before we brought you on. So the NFL has not, with the commissioner yet, put him on the commissioner's exempt list. There's been nothing out of the NFL PA. There's been really nothing out of both camps over the last. Are they settling? What are they doing here? They don't want to hurt the market value of the kid, the reputation of the kid. They don't want to hurt if there's any potential victims. I get all that. I mean, it's really the quietest thing I've ever seen in my entire life. And I think it's by design in case other teams are kind of kicking on the door here. Do you think the Dolphins are one of those? Well, before the whole, you know, scandal broke, the Dolphins had every plan to be in on the uh, Deshaun Watson sweepstakes if the Houston Texans made them available. It never came to that, and then the scandal happened, and then everybody's moving on. Here's the thing that I know, and from my experience, some of it pleasant, some not, with lawyers. If they're talking, not much is happening. If they're quiet, stuff is going on. Right on. And so those two lawyers, the the one who represents uh, Deshaun Watson and the representative for the 22-plus women who are making allegations about Deshaun Watson, those two guys are talking, and they're not talking to us. So uh, my guess is that they are working towards a resolution. And I don't see that resolution happening necessarily in court, either civil or criminal court, by the way. Do you think he plays this year? Yeah, I don't, you know, what am I, Karnak? Look, I don't know. I really don't know because it's hard to know. It's hard to get 22 people to agree on anything. Agreed much less something that they are emotionally invested in and their 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 you know their psyche is invested in so i don't know how the one side is going to come and and, and agree to let this rest that's hard that's really hard and 
obviously Deshaun Watson is invested in this in, as well. And he was, he laid a very deep, laden concrete line that said, I'm not, I haven't done any of this and I'm not negotiating and I'm not dealing with this uh, financially to make it go away. All of a sudden that's changed. I, so I can't predict, I yeah. can't predict how, what two sides are so far apart that suddenly they're going to come together. And oh, by the way, the NFL has a say and law enforcement has a say. So it's, I could give you a prediction, but it's not worth anything. Yeah. I, I would just say this. There's no criminal charges against them. They're all civil. True. Okay. So there's no criminal case yet. I mean, True. maybe that's why the NFL is sitting back here. All right. Let's again, a couple more uh, questions on the dolphins here. Am I right? When I say this about Brian Flores, He's the best head football coach that the Dolphins have had since Jimmy Johnson. Hmm. All right. So um, maybe it, it's possible, but you're not also, sold that you're not sold completely on them then yet. I mean, have they been to the playoffs? Okay. okay agreed. agreed. Uh, you know, have they done anything in the postseason? Uh, hey, you'll have to understand. I, I, I'm now gauging the the Dolphins on recent like success, not back in the day with the Don Shula times when everyone looked at how come we're not 12 and four. So right. I mean, maybe that's what's happened to me here, Armando. That he looks like the better coach because the Dolphins just haven't been relevant for 20 years. Is that fair? Well, it, it's fair, and he has done a good job with what he has been given. Uh, but expectations are, are right. a tough thing. He had none his first year in 2019. I mean, the Dolphins were 5-11 and 11 in 2019, and everyone applauded Brian Flores and thought he was the man because he took what was basically a AAA roster and won five games, including five out of the last nine. Having said that, we're not grading on the curve anymore. Uh, right. This is now, you know, the NFL, baby. And you've got the Buffalo Bills in your uh, sights and in your division. And Bill Belichick, I'm sure, doesn't exactly want to go quietly into the night either. And, you know, the Jets have a new coach who wants to make his bones uh, in the NFL as a head coach. All I'm saying is, Brian Flores still has much to prove, and that can't be proven in the regular season. You got to get to the postseason, and he's got to do some damage in the postseason. And then I'll tell you if you know no. how great he is. No, no, you're 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 dead on. How about the job that Chris Greer, the general manager, has done since he's taken the helm? Yeah. Uh, have they been to the postseason lately? You so know, they're all hand in hand, right? Oh, they're, yeah, they go they're, hand they're, in hand. Okay. They're tied together. And here's yep. the thing. So um, Chris Greer did a great job of trading assets for other assets, for draft assets. He traded Laramie Tunsil for 10,632,000 draft picks. Okay. <laughs> That's awesome. And then this year he come, he turned some of those picks into more picks. So that's awesome. But eventually you have to draft. And eventually the players that you picked have to perform. And we're not there yet. Laramie Tunsil right now 
is a better player than any of the other players the Dolphins drafted uh, as part of that trade. Minka Fitzpatrick is a better player than any player that the Dolphins drafted for trading him away. In other words, there has to come a time when it's not about trading. It's about improving your, your, your lot in, in the NFL. And that, that time is approaching. The proof time is approaching, but it hasn't happened yet. So you're saying he's no Jeff Ireland. Just kidding here. All right. <laughs> <laughs> the wow. Up, <laughs> the upcoming 2021 season. Give me your insight. And look, I hate doing this. I'm not going to ask you records. Is this a postseason roster, in your opinion, as they get ready for the July camps? It's a postseason roster uh, if Tua Tungavailoa is a good quarterback. Notice I didn't say a great quarterback. Notice I didn't say elite. I said a good, you know, 22 touchdowns, 24 touchdowns, seven interceptions guy. They're going to win 11 or 12 games. Uh, that, I mean, they're yeah. going to be good. They're deep uh, and they're disciplined and that's going to, that's going to work. But if Tua Tungavailoa is, you know, a dud, not that guy, then this roster is going to, is going to struggle. It's as simple as that really for the Miami Dolphins. It's all about, you know, Tua Tonga Vailoa. You know, you could say that about probably like 25 teams, right? I mean, they're they're not uncommon to that because here, you take Aaron Rodgers off that Packer roster, they're four and twelve. Okay. I mean, very few places. Maybe Tennessee gets away with it because they don't rely on Tannehill. They rely on that horse they got in the backfield there. So again, I agree with you hundred percent there. All right. So I'm gonna leave you with this here, and I'm gonna ask you first. Are you rooting for Bill Belichick to go past uh, Don Shula's record for the most? <laughs> I can't even do it with a straight face. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> what the hell are you? <laughs> so Marino doesn't want Belichick to break the record. Well, no, 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 I got it. I know the answer now. <laughs> Dog bites man. <laughs> no kidding. Uh, look, um, there's no one in South Florida that's going to root for Bill Belichick. I have news for you. There's not a lot of people outside of the greater New England area that, you know, that Northeast portion that's rooting for Bill Belichick. He's not exactly endeared himself to a bunch of folks, okay? And definitely not folks that do what I do for a living. Don Shula is an icon. He was a a great man, not, not a great football coach, a great man. He was, he was about intensity. He was about integrity. He was about doing things right and living right and, and conducting yourself in a certain way. And, you know, how do you root against that? That's not possible. That's not, it's definitely not me. What can I tell you? How about this, Armando? I'll never forget when we were playing all together, all of us at the Orange Bowl, and we had just beaten Oklahoma. And he came over to our – I'll never forget. He walked into our, our team meeting. He goes, why don't you guys come over and why don't you guys come and um, go on a Monday night? We're playing the Bears. You guys can stand on the sidelines. 
I'm sitting there going, I'm going to get a chance to stand on an NFL sideline. I'm there watching this 15-0 and Miami Dolphin team, and Don Shula's got almost the entire Miami Hurricane football team on the sidelines. He was such a community guy. He loved our program. Then he liked Jimmy. <laughs> okay? I mean, then he liked him. There was a different relationship in the building then, but, I mean, he was such a – a wonderful guy. I, I, let me ask you, man. What do you think of my Canes this year? What do you, what do you think of the job Manny Diaz is doing? Uh, I didn't like the FIU loss a couple of years ago. That hurt Ooh. me to the, to the core. Um, I, you know, obviously they're not ready to compete on the highest levels yet, or they haven't proven that they are. But look, I, I don't know. It's almost like I see. I see. I look at the Alabama roster. You know how many South Florida guys are on the Alabama team? How about the entire secondary was not just from the state of Florida. They were from South Florida. And so in your day uh, and even past your day and even earlier than your day, you know, Howard Schnellenberger once upon a time drew a line around Dade and Broward County and said, University of Miami, do not enter. And he made it work, and the talent in those two counties alone, with some New Jersey guys, sure, and some Palm Beach guys and some Texas guys, of course. But those guys, they were you. You you guys did what you did. Uh, Until someone coaching the Miami Hurricanes, running that program, can duplicate that and keep Oklahoma out and keep Georgia out and keep Nick Saban out, and keep those teams out, It's there will be no revival of the University of Miami because the championships that would have been in Miami are being won in those other places. Look at this, Armando. Championship rings right here, baby. I keep getting asked all the time, man. I keep getting asked, you think we'll ever get back to that? I go, when we recruit the state of Miami, and that's like you said, all the way up to Tampa, all the way down Satellite Beach, Dayton Broward, across over to Fort Myers, and up back to Tampa again until we keep those pipelines going and start recruiting inner-city kids again. The problem with that program, hey, look, suburban kids are cool, but if you don't get those inner-city kids from Medicine, from Palmetto, from places like Woodrow Wilson where Alabama and Clemson are going – I don't care who you are, Armando. You're not going to win ball games with these guys from these IMG camps. You're just not going to do it, man. I'll take a three-star kid from Woodrow Wilson more so than I would. And by the way, how come the school at Fort Lauderdale? What is that, uh, St. Thomas? Since when does Ohio State have a pipeline into that thing? And we don't have a pipeline into into, uh, St. Thomas Aquinas. Right. Uh, And it's not just that. Look, the 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 whole idea that Miami can return to its glory, well, then let them return to what they used to be able to do, which was recruit people that were not uh, academic um, stalwarts. Exactly, <laughs> uh, because the 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 kind of kid that was admitted to the University of Miami in the eighties, like me. <laughs> That didn't test out as well, didn't score as well, but was hungry, right? And need didn't want to, needed to 
be great because otherwise they were going to be on the street. And those kids, they can't get into Miami anymore. People don't realize the University of Miami has got 13,000 students. It's a private university. They've changed their academic standards. I don't want Stanford. All right. I don't want to root for Stanford. Let Stanford be Stanford. Let Princeton be Princeton. I want the University of Miami to be the old University of Miami. And unfortunately, the people that run the academic portion of the school don't agree with me. Absolutely. My grandfather told me, well, if you don't make it at the University of Miami as an NFL guy, you know, I hear down in the Keys, they got shrimp boats. <laughs> Armando, I love you, dude. Thank you so much for taking time for me, man. Love My you, man. pleasure. All and right, man. That is our friend Armando Salgar. We'll take a quick time out. You keep it here on the National Football Show. I get scared sometimes of a lot of things. Joining in decisions, the dark, the dark. But I once heard someone say, but as I always say, it's okay to be afraid as long as you face the fear and keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life, count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods. Your vacation, your way. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. This is a key. It's a family tree. It's a pair of wings. It's a secret handshake. And a ticket to anywhere in the world. It's more than a uniform. It's the door to a world most people only dream of. There's strong, and then there's army strong. 
Try it on at GoArmy.com. Welcome back to the National Football Show with your boy Dan Cilio. thought it was pretty interesting what Armando said about Brian Flores, the head football coach of the Miami Dolphins and also Chris Greer, the general manager. He's right. They are tied in. You know what's crazy is that, you know, maybe this is an age thing here. See, when I grew up, the Dolphins never sucked. It's funny. If you ask a kid right now that you ask one of my guys like Cal, who works on our program, does he remember when the Miami Dolphins were the gold standard in the NFL? He'd say, absolutely not. And as a matter of fact, some people might say the Bengals have had more success over the last 30 years than what the Dolphins have had. But when I grew up, I don't ever remember the Dolphins being bad. I never. They were always contenders. Don Shula was, without a doubt, and Armando's exactly correct, too, about Don. What a tremendous man. And I got a chance to work with him and be around him. And I'll explain here in a second. But, um, yeah, what I've done is I think I've lowered my standard on what the Dolphins' success used to be. You know, I was talking to Krause before coming on, and maybe this was yesterday. Hey, you guys are living in the past. Dolphin fans, they also live in the past. Because those Dolphin teams, you got to remember something, folks. That's 40-some years ago when the Dolphins won those Super Bowls. It's been 40 years since Miami won a Super Bowl. And when they had that run of three straight Super Bowls, winning two, one was undefeated, that was 40-some years ago. They didn't win Super Bowls with Dan Marino. They, they were always really a good team, but they weren't what they were back in the day with those teams. And so, like, the bar has been lowered. And I'm sitting there going, hey, and I, I was actually saying, boy, Brian Flores looks like it. And Armando, who's around the team, and he's covered the team for 30 years, he's my age, and he grew up in South Florida, so he knows the history. It's always great to get, you know, a chance to get around somebody that, you know, and I love Armando. As you could tell, our relationship goes back 40 years. We went to school together at the University of Miami. We went to school together. And he's right. He's like, wait a minute here. Before we start giving Brian Flores and Chris Greer all this tremendous love, get to the postseason. That's the standard that was set by Don Shula. Okay? Sitting around being 9-7 and seven and 8-8 eight and eight and not making the postseason, that's not going to cut it when it comes to South Florida fans. The South Florida fans that know that franchise's history knows that that's not good enough. Now, what happens, again, like I said, you start compromising yourself because you're hoping just to be a 500 team. It's crazy to say that, though, but it's true. I mean, you're sitting around hoping that the Miami Dolphins are 500, and I just got caught in that because he's right. The standard is winning Super Bowls in Miami. I know people that are younger than me are going, where's that standard? That standard has been long gone. It's like an eternity ago. Like 40 years is an eternity in today's world, right? It's like like an eternity. 
So it's great to hear Armando bring us back into reality. For us to sit here and call Brian Flores a great coach or Chris Greer, the GM, a good general manager, these guys got to get to a postseason. They got to do some damage in the postseason. Before we start sitting here going, wow, these guys really look like the guys. You know, I, I was half kidding when I brought up Don Shula to Armando and whether or not Armando wanted to see uh, Bill Belichick go by Don Shula's all-time single-season record for the most wins. You could tell he's like, I have never in my life been around a man that commanded more respect in the room than what Don Shula did. And my time being around him at Miami, and then I got a chance to work with his family, David, who runs the restaurants. They got a really fine restaurant. It's called Shula's. And they were a sponsor of my program for numerous years. And I got a chance to be around Don, and I would show up to events, and I would see Don at these events, and we just had a marvelous time. Everywhere Don Shula went, though, I mean, everybody stood up and here's Don Shula. Here's one of the greatest coaches in the history of the sport. Here's one of the coaches that you compare to like George Hallis. Here's one of the guys who were like the Tiffany standard when it came to what the Super Bowls meant. I mean, really. And for me to be around him as a young kid when I was playing football at the University of Miami and him inviting us over and playing um, – you know, or to watch them play that Monday night game when they knocked off that Bears game, that Bears team, it was an absolute just privilege to be in the same building with the Miami Dolphins. So that was cool to catch up. All right. Wayne Larravee will join us tomorrow. He is the golden voice of the Green Bay Packers, and he's going to be calling us actually live from Packer minicamp. And we're going to be talking with him tomorrow live from Packer minicamp. So, again, don't forget, like the show, share the show. We really appreciate it. Four to six Eastern time. You can catch us on the Jacob Media channel. We'll catch you tomorrow. You keep it right here on the National Football Show.